Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Four Man Rotation podcast. Uh, Matt Corey, and uh, with me today uh, is Craig Goldstein and Brian Grosnick. Uh, so, guys, today we're going to do uh, two things. Um, as we just talked about, we're going to look at the, uh, the Tigers uh, bullpen and talk about how they're going to break the record for the most holds this spring training. Uh, and we're going to talk – no, we're not going to do that. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to talk uh, some over-unders, so, uh, take a look at some of the odds that uh, Vegas has, uh, has put out for uh, you know, win totals for teams this year and sort of debate what we, uh, w- which teams we like uh, to beat. Uh, and to fall behind those those numbers, um, so we're gonna we're gonna do our first ever uh, four man rotation draft with uh, with three men because <laughs> that's how we roll here at the four man rotation. You, you never know what you're gonna get. We're like a box of chocolates. That was terrible. Edit that out. Um, and uh, so then we're going to uh, complete our um, our 2016 divisional preview series. By looking at the the last division that we have, the only one we've yet to cover, which is the American League West, um, and uh, yeah, so we'll get right into it. Um, and uh, I just like to point out that uh, at at this point, if there's any companies that want to give us a lot of money, this is where we can sneak an ad right in, right here. Just sneak it in. And, uh, and, and no one will be the wiser. Matt, that's, uh, that's the least sneaky way to sneak something in I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> you know, I was listening to a podcast that I, that I listen to a lot, and I won't name that podcast because it's actually it, – I, I like it a lot. But, but they just came out with a new episode, and for the first time that I can ever remember, right in the middle of it, there's like an ad for, you know, some daily fantasy bullshit. And I was just like, oh, no, Really? <laughs> Really? We're going to do that? No. Daily fantasy, the scourge of everyone everywhere. We're, yeah. we're, I think we are the only podcast and or baseball related anything that is not sponsored by some sort of daily fantasy site. So I think that's something to be proud of, guys. I agree. But we would be sponsored by oh. them if they want to give us money. I would sell out in a heartbeat. I think that needs to be made clear. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Right, well, uh, the the DraftKings four-man rotation sponsored by FanDuel at <laughs> Yahoo Sports. I mean, it would be whatever, man. Let me uh, throw scalding hot water on both of you and say, uh, fuck FanDuel, fuck all of them, um, and uh, I, I will never submit to that. <laughs> <laughs> We're- we're sticking with that clean label. <laughs> yeah. I will either uh, edit this out, uh, which I'm definitely not editing that out before, no, Matt. No, no that's that's going to have to – you're going to have to live with that for the rest of your take, life. I will take no money. What, what can happen is you guys can go ahead and give, give the FanDuel ad, and re- read all the text, and I'll just start swearing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, all right. Anyway, uh, so – Sorry for the volume there. All right. Anyway, uh, we're going to start with uh, with over unders, uh, and it occurs to me that we should have come up with a draft order. Um, so I think what we should do is go by alphabet, which means Brian is going to go first. Um, but first, let me explain um, what the what the little game is that we're that we're doing here. So um, let's see. It's the uh, the over unders by uh, from from what is it Vegas where, where this. Produced? Is from the Atlantis Race and Sportsbook in Reno, Nevada. There you go. Okay, um, and so it, it's a published list of um, 
of win totals for teams. Uh, and uh, we will uh, pick which teams we think will um, go, uh, you know, will beat the win total, uh, or we can, we can go the other way if we want, and we can say that the, that team will, um, will definitely finish under that. And so we're just going to, we're going to go around and, and draft our, um, what we think are the, are the best bets to, to beat these lines. Um, so if, if you're curious what the lines are and you want to follow along uh, at home or wherever you are, you can, you can just uh, look it up. It's actually the, the one we're looking at is, is at Fox Sports, um, but you just do a, do a Google of 2016 MLB over-unders and, and it'll show up. Um, and I think it's fair to say that the list that we're using was published in middle of February, so it may not be completely current, which is fine because our podcast itself is not completely current either, so <laughs> we're good to go. Yeah, no, no problem at all. Um, actually, I don't think much has changed um, you know, that would significantly affect a, a, a betting line between now and then. I mean, you know, Dexter Fowler, I don't think he's going to move the needle a whole lot considering he went back to the Cubs. And, um, you know, there have been a Ryan cool- Rayburn signed with the Rockies today. Oh, he did? That, like, I, like, I'm legitimately interested by that because I, I'm a Ryan oh, Rayburn Oh, because you want to see Ryan Rayburn roam the outfield in course? Oh, gosh, yes. That yeah. would be awful. And, uh, you know, Ryan Rayburn last year hit about as well as uh, Mike Trout did, uh, at least from one side of the plate. So I'm, I'm very interested to see how he'll do in Colorado. It'll probably be awful. <laughs> I wonder how well Mike Trout would do as a left-hander. <laughs> probably fine. The guy can can do everything, right? Yeah. Right? A- probably at least as good as 2014 Ryan Rayburn. Yeah. Oh, Ryan Rayburn 2014. That was like that was like if you let me go out there it'd be awful. Ryan Ryan Rayburn's OPS over the last 4 years has gone and I'm I'm going to go from 2015 backwards. 936, 547, 901, 480. <laughs> he's he's the uh, personification of the San Francisco Giants. Uh, he's the yeah, opposite. He's bad when no, they're right. Yeah, yeah. So he steals all the power from the Giants on those odd years, and then gives it back in the even he's years. Bad. That's that's exactly. probably what it is. <laughs> all right. So I I hope that uh, I have adequately explained uh, what it is we're we're about to do here. Um, and I I think what we should do since since no one's really going to win this draft um, uh, is we should just go in a sort of a circular order. So Brian, you pick first, fourth, seventh, et cetera. Um, and I, I was thinking we would just do three rounds. Uh, there's, there's no need to really belabor this point. Um, if, if such a, if a draft can be belabored, we will manage to do it, but, but there you go. <laughs> um, so, uh, Brian, you have uh, you've looked looked over the list and uh, and crunched uh, crunched things. Um, stop crunching things, Brian. I'm working on it. Yep. Why don't you uh, Why don't you make the first pick? All right. So uh, the easiest one for me was uh, the team that is projected for the most wins in all of baseball. So on this list, that's with 90 wins, the San Francisco Giants. I'm going to take the under on that. I just I know it's even year. I know they have weird abilities that are beyond mortal men, but the best team in baseball, like I have, I have a lot of trouble trying to project them over 90 wins, especially playing in a division with two other good teams and two, well, not so good teams. Although the Padres could be okay. Who knows? But they're not going to be a good team, but 
yeah, I think that that's that's in some question. I do think they have a really good, well-rounded team, but you know, one or two guys underperforms. Uh, Madison Bumgarner misses time, and I, I can see a lot of scenarios where they dip under ninety. So I'll take the under on the Giants at ninety wins. I, I think that's a I think that's a smart smart first pick. Um, definitely a smart first pick, uh, and I I can't imagine. Well, I don't know. It it, it seems like. You know, we discussed a lot of this in uh, you know in the preview uh, that we did a while back. But Smarja and Cueto have to get significantly better, um, I think, for this to happen. And that's you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility for sure. But um, but I think I think that's a good good overall first pick. Um, Craig, you're up. I'm up. Okay, <laughs> I am going to take, and this is this is one I'm not. I, I feel good about the pick. I don't I don't know how I feel about the team entirely but i'm going to take the over on tampa bay they are listed at 78 games on this uh 78 wins on on this uh on what we're using here and i you know if you if you go by projection systems pakoda has them at 91 wins and um i i am not strictly beholden to uh pakoda or other projection systems on team wins but i think that type of gap is fairly substantial. And I think, you know, in, in my mind, I think they're probably closer to a slightly over 500 team, which still gives plenty of, plenty of pillow room for 78 wins. And yeah. the, uh, the word on the street is that Fangraphs projects them for what? 81 wins, which is still more than 78, which is what the, the odds were that you were betting over. So, I mean, even the most pessimistic projection kind of agrees with you there. Yeah, it's, I didn't realize the gap was that big for uh, for Fangraphs. That's interesting. Yeah, it's it's really good. There was an article about it on Beyond the Box Score, I think, uh, a couple of days ago. Oh, who has time to read, honestly? <laughs> <laughs> That's why we're doing a podcast. Yeah, exactly. It's talking. It's not reading. <laughs> and writing. Don't even get me started on how much time that takes. I don't takes. know what that is. There's words that you have to organize, and I just, I, don't, I just put them up on the page and pass them off to the editor. It's like, here. Yeah, it was, and what's worse is that it's Henry Deruchel who wrote it at Beyond the Box Score, and that guy's really smart, so everybody should read oh, that. Okay. But no, no, I'll just feel bad about myself. <laughs> um, all right, so it's it's my turn, um, and I think you guys have taken uh, two two really good ones. Um, I think I'm going to snag. Uh, the Houston Astros, I'll take over on the Astros, um, who are at 85 and a half wins. Um, I forget how many they won last year, although that's actually relatively easy to look up. Uh, what did they win? 86. And yep. that's after sort of falling apart, um, in the, the second half. Um, and you know, they've got a, got a young team, got, uh, you know, so I, I, I'm, I'm short on specifics, but I'm going to, I'm going to take the over. Well, you're going to get a full season of Correa, which will help. Oh, that's true. It wasn't even a full season of Correa last year. They they left him in the minors, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a full season of uh, Colin McHugh, hopefully. I'm le- I'm less inspired by that. I know <laughs> I know people like him, but. And uh, Dallas Keuchel's beard is going to be presumably longer, um, which should lead to uh, more success, right? 
Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Beard equals wins, as uh, I believe the Giants have proven on occasion. I'd like to point out that I'm a moron, and I said Colin McHugh when I meant Lance McCullers. So. Oh, that yeah, that does make a difference. All right. Yeah, I'm with you on that. No, Colin McHugh, I, I, I'm sorry, guys. I, I, I should just leave. <laughs> I, I just assumed you were kidding. <laughs> I was dead serious. I was like, whoa, you guys really undersold. Oh, I said the wrong name. Yep. <laughs> Terrible. A-plus podcast. It's something weird about the uh, about the Astros. They're, the guys over there, they kind of kind of meld together. They all have similar sounding names, and they all have you know they're all white guys in their tw- early twenties with beards. Well, Perea <laughs> is not, but you know he stands out anyway. Um, but you know the rest of them all with beards. Anyway, uh, Brian, your your pick. Well, as a white guy with a beard, I'm thinking. This is a tough one, but I'm. You can take I, the under on the Astros if you're if you're not you're not buying the beards. No, oh heck no! I think that was a good pick. Actually, I think all three of those. The Rays taking the over on the race was one that I was looking at for my second round. So I'm I'm a little <clears throat> cheesed off about that. I'm gonna save what the. I do. <laughs> I'm going to save the next one that I was that I had in mind for my round three one because maybe it'll segue into our AL West talk. But mm. I will go with the under on the Texas Rangers. Mm. 86 wins. I feel like that's a team that's relying on some some kind of questionable ball players, uh, maybe some young guys. I mean, if they're going to commit to Nomar Mazara coming in, I would have felt like they had more upside than leaning on Ian Desmond. Uh, I think the pitching rotation can always get a little bit squirrely, especially at the end of the season when you get into those weird Texas summers. Uh, I mean, Cole Hamels will probably be fine, but some of the other guys, I I don't know if I see Chichi Rodriguez pitching as well again this year. Um, Martin Perez, if he comes back strong, could be nice, but if not, you're, you're in the Colby Lewis zone again. And uh, I, I think that's a team with a lot of talent, but I also see that they've got a couple of older veterans who could regress a little bit from last year. I don't know if Prince Fielder is going to be as good. I don't know if Shinsu Chu is going to be as good. So they could very well be a very good team, but I uh, I do have a couple of questions about them. So I will go with the, the under on the Rangers at 86 wins. That's interesting. Uh, I'm not sure I would have made that pick. Um, just, I guess, mostly because because uh, um, I'm stupid. But so um, you know, Darvish should be back at some point this season. Um, mm-hmm. Call Hamels. They'll have a full season of Hamels. Um, That's and, really as far as their rotation goes at this point. Yeah, yeah they've got a lot of mid-level guys. Yeah, um, they'll have. Uh, how do you say his name? Odor. Odor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What I like about Texas is their their depth. Yes. Um, just because, like, they could get they could get a full season of. Profar playing in a bunch of different spots. They have Mazzara, they have Brinson, they have Gallo um, just available at some point, which also means that if they are in need of something else and don't have a spot for any of those guys, that they can they can augment the team in a spot that they're they're needy in like they did last year with Hamels. So that the one thing I'll throw out as a possibility is that I could really see them trading for Strasburg at the deadline. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, that's, that's my early call on something. Oh, there. I, I like that. 
Yeah, that's interesting. So, so then you're you would take the under on the Nationals at 87. No, what I'm saying is in a in a scenario where the Nationals are falling out of it, that would be what would happen. Especially if the Nationals think Giolito is ready to go in the middle of the season, I think that they could definitely do that. But I don't think they would if they were really shooting for the top of the National League East. I, but I also don't think that's necessarily going to happen. Um, which. You know, maybe I should have taken the under on the Nationals, I guess. But yeah, I, uh, I I do think that the Rangers maybe will underperform a little bit compared to last year. Then again, I picked that they would underperform last year. And uh, as usual, I was wrong. So who knows? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to take – this is another I, – I, I feel like this is maybe a little bit obvious, although it is it is aggressive. I'm going to take the over on the Cubs. Yeah. Um, they're listed at 89 wins. Um, Pocota has them at 94. I kind of struggle to see a scenario that they're not a 90 plus win team. I mean, I look, the, the, the obvious thing here is that, you know, you generally try to avoid predicting teams to be much more than 90 and there's always some, some room for error there. But this is a team that I think even if you go by third order runs and stuff last year, you know, justified what they had 97 wins last year, I think something like that. Um, and, and they were, they were, they earned, you know, a mid nineties, uh, record and, you know, they've added, they've added a lot of talent without losing much talent thus far. So, um, I, I, like I said, I struggle to believe that they, they fall short of, 90 um i you know whether that means they're going to win the division or be the best team in baseball or whatever i don't know but i feel like clearing 89 should not be too difficult for them yeah we did a, i mean a whole podcast um on uh you know trying to come up with ways that the cubs could fail and there are you know certainly some no, no team is perfect but uh you know if there is i i feel like you know this is almost a redo of, of last year in a way, like when everyone was so certain the nationals were going to win 110 games. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you look back on the, on that team and it's, you know, maybe it's uh, Monday morning quarterbacking and you can kind of see how, you know, how they failed, like what, you know, what went wrong. And I think the Cubs, if you try to guess at a similar scenario, it's, it's a lot harder to come up with. I mean, you can, you can certainly, you know, throw random injuries at, at important players. Uh, obviously, that's going to sink any team. Um, but they're not, you know, especially injury prone. So there's no real reason to expect something like that. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, I think that's a good pick, Craig. Not, yeah, I think we're, we're all agreeing with all our picks, but you know, hey, I, I, I think those are good picks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thank you. Yeah, yeah, uh, of course. Um, so it's my pick. Uh, I'm going to take. Um, let's see. We've got under, under, over, over, over. Yeah, I'm going to even this out. I'm going to take an under. I'm going to take the Reds under 71 wins. Um, oh, I'm so I'm I'm kind of happy you did that. I was I was tempted to take the over on it. Really? Yeah. And you still can. I yeah. know. Totally. Go ahead uh, and tell me why I'm wrong. I think uh, I think the Reds have some. There's some obviously you know. Uh, Joey Votto, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, really good. Uh, Brandon Phillips had a bit of a bounce back year. Um, you know they've got they've got some talent. They're uh, 
their rotation is just kind of a mess. Um, I I'll be I'll be upfront and say I'm I'm hardly an expert on their bullpen. They could have the world's greatest bullpen. I I wouldn't know it, um, but I assume that the reason I don't know it's because they don't. Um, so yeah, I, I think uh, I, I think they're going to be pretty bad. Uh, I mean, if no if for no other reason then you know they're they're. Uh, their starting rotation is 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 awful, and they're uh, at least according to roster resource, their fifth starter is his last name is Mascot. So, uh, <laughs> I think uh, I think that's that's probably bad. You're starting the the mascot in your in your fifth slot there. Craig, you're super high on uh, on Iglesias, right? <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> I, I, literally today, Friday, what March fourth. Um, I, we did our, our starting pitchers to avoid, uh, at BP for fantasy. And I, I mentioned Iglesias. Um, and it, that's, that's less about how, how that's less about him being bad than, um, kind of for whatever reason, the fantasy, um, community has kind of galvanized themselves around Rizal Iglesias being this great, um, this great pitcher, and I, I don't see it. Um, That's so a compelling I, there argument. Are, there are a variety of reasons, but I feel like this this isn't a fantasy podcast, so I wasn't going to get into it. Um, <laughs> but I don't think he's that good. And what do you think of the rest of the rotation? I actually, I, I think the Reds are a really interesting team um, because of their rotation. I, they, they had, um, what, like a record number of starts made by a rookie, um, it, like consecutive starts made by a rookie last year, because uh, technically I, Iglesias was. Uh, I d- I think Desclafani qualified. Uh, mm-hmm. John Lamb, Brandon Finnegan, John Moscott. Um, M- I guess Michael Lorenzen might have qualified uh, heading into last year. Um, none of those guys are are necessarily good. Is the problem? Um, I I think Brandon Finnegan's really in- interesting. Um, he was a really good starter at TCU and he was a really good reliever for the Royals. And, um, I, I, he's short, but has, I think three pitches and can start as long as he kind of maintains his athleticism and John lands an interesting story. And the other interesting part is that they have, uh, two top pitching prospects, Robert Stevenson and Cody Reed, who are really interesting. And I think I would expect both of them to be with the major league team. I would say by, by mid June at the latest, and I, I wouldn't be surprised to see one of them there beforehand. Really? Wow. Yeah, yeah. They actually they both threw in spring training uh, a couple days ago. Reed is a big lefty, so Finnegan, Lamb, and and Reed were were acquired for uh, Cueto last year, right? And um, and Stevenson was their first round pick a few years ago. I think he was twenty seventh overall or something like that. He in high school he threw two. Um, I think he threw back-to-back no-hitters. Um, so he's he was pretty good then. He's pretty good now. He throws really hard. Uh, his changeup came along. I think he kind of moved to a split change grip, and that really helped him out. And he's got a he's got a good curveball. I actually put some gifts up on Twitter the other day, but um, but it, you know this is what makes them interesting to me. But you know the the history of rookie pitchers coming in and dominating immediately isn't exactly um, a glorious one. So. The, yeah. the fun thing about that, I just love the idea if the Oriole, if Orioles, if the Royals underperform a little bit and then the Reds are running out there with all three of Finnegan, Lamb, and Reed in the uh, rotation, that would be pretty weird uh, yeah. to see. Yeah, and, 
And I think it's going to be really interesting too because I think Finnegan and Lamb will will break um, will break with the team. I, I think they both have a good shot of of being uh, of starting with the team this year. It is an amazingly young rotation. I mean, there are other young rotations. The Mets rotation, other than Bartolo Colon, is incredibly young. Um, so you know, young doesn't necessarily mean bad. Um, but yeah. Uh, all right, so I'm probably wrong about that, but I'm sticking with it. Uh, Brian, you're, uh, you're up. All right, I'll go with my last one. I will uh, stick in the AL West, which, again, is going to, you know, I, I'm, I'm Debbie Downer on all West teams. So I'm under on the Giants, I'm under on the Rangers, and I'm going to go under on the Angels as well, uh, which I guess makes me an over on the Astros. Uh, but, yeah, I don't think the Angels are going to be very good this year. I think they're relying on a lot of really sketchy pitchers, and yeah, Mike Trout's great, but Uni Escobar at third base and Johnny Giovatella at second base and somebody who sort of resembles Albert Pujols at first base. Left field is Daniel Nava. Yep. Um, CJ Wilson and CJ <laughs> Wilson and Jared Weaver are still slotted into the rotation. There's some bad signs here, and uh, they could have done a lot to address some of these holes, I think, in the offseason, and they didn't, and now this is kind of what they're stuck with, so I'm not not a fan. Um, I'm just going to pull up the projections real quickly because God knows I wasn't going to research this that much. Um, but while you do that, um, we should note that Jared Weaver failed to crack 83 today. I mean, that's awesome like it, to me it's really cool also like if he starts pitching under 70 like under 80 normally like he's gonna 70 <laughs> he's gonna become one of my favorite pitchers again as long as he can eventually you know like make it through like the fourth inning but i mean does anybody expect him to be good or or even like you know a bit above replacement this year i don't know so it's, here's a question here's a question for both of you um at what point can you have as a starting pitcher, say, or I guess any pitcher, uh, perfect control, uh, perfect command, um, excellent movement on your pitches? Um, you have all those things. Those are a given. Um, but at what velocity does it cease to matter? Like if your fastball is topping out at, say, 73, can, can, can you still have success in the major league level at that, at that point with all, with all those other things? So... I'm just what, looking. What, how this. do you how do you want to qualify success? Uh, can you maintain a roster spot? The correct answer is seventy nine miles per hour, seventy nine point one two miles per hour. Okay. And um, uh, that's Jamie Moyer in twenty twelve. I was going to say I told <laughs> Moyer. That's what I did. <laughs> Jamie Moyer's four seam fastball in twenty twelve was seventy nine. Point one two, according to Brooks Baseball. His sinker, actually, uh, that's not fair. His sinker was seventy nine point uh, three nine. Um, but he was he was also not very good in twenty twelve. In twenty ten, when he was actually pretty decent, he was at eighty one. So I think that's really as low as you get to go. <laughs> but but he was hold on. He was forty nine years old, uh-huh. <laughs> pitching in Colorado. Uh-huh. Was he? And, and he struck out. He struck out six per nine. He's the man. Wow. I heard him on one of the MLB Network shows the other day, and it's so funny because, and I, I don't, I don't want to be ageist or anything, but he sounds so old, 
And it's like, I, I, like you listen to him and it's like, he must've been retired for 15, 20 years, but nope, he just had that long of a career. Well, he didn't, yeah, he didn't have that sort of in between period where it's kind of like, you know, like, like Kevin Millar now, you know, like that sort of direct post uh, playing time where he's still like kind of young and kind of with it. Um, he just went straight from professional baseball player to old man. I just, I need to point this out because look, it, it was only 53 innings, and, but he struck out 6.0 per <laughs> nine innings. Giovanni Gallardo didn't yeah. do that last year. I know. <laughs> in, in a better environment for strikeouts too. Brett Anderson <laughs> didn't do that last year. John Neese, Aaron Harang, <laughs> Mike Leake. Mike Leake got what, $80 million to not do that again? $80 million. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm flummoxed. Yeah. So what you're saying, Craig, is that if 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 uh, you get a phone call from a major league baseball team and they offer you the general manager job, the first I'm, thing you're saying I'm is, signing Jamie Moyer. That's well, right. I mean, I'm signing him to be a pitching coach. No, I I'm mean. signing him to pitch. <laughs> I'm signing him to play first base. I think he can do it. I mean, there's there's no there's no possibility that is out of. Uh, out of possibility. I, I think he's he's kind of in the Tyson zone. Um, what about point guard? Shit. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, but, is, is it me now? Am yeah, I... that was a long walk from the Angels are going to be bad to uh, to Jamie <laughs> Moyer is awesome. All right. Um, if, if Brian is going to be Debbie Downer with the negatives, um, I'm, I'm going to go over for a third time. And I'm deciding between two teams. Tell us both. Uh, okay, well, okay. I'll tell you both. Uh, the first one is, I was going to say, the, the Indians are at 84 wins per, this, uh, per, per these over-unders. Yep. And I think that, um, I mean, again, another, another projection, darling. I don't expect them to, to live up to, to what Pakoda has them at, which is 92. But again, they don't have to, to to beat that. I think they're easily a mid-80s uh, win team on, on true talent, maybe a little better than that. And um, I, I think part of the reason that, you know, the, the stats tend to love them is, you know, you got these guys like Bauer and Carrasco who miss a lot of bats but um, have been homer prone in the past. I know Carrasco's kind of made progress where Bauer hasn't. But um, – so, so like their expected uh, production never quite meets th- their actual production and that type of thing. But I, 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 when you have Kluber, they they have Salazar, they have Bauer and Carrasco. I think the, the big concern for me is that their outfield is a disaster right now. Um, yeah. But I mean, maybe they could have used Ryan Rayburn instead of the Rockies. But well, you know, supposed to come back sooner than later. I saw. Right. Yeah. That is. That's. That's part of. That's definitely part of it. But even. Even with him back, they essentially have one person in the outfield that you can count on. Right. Uh, so. So I mean, that's the big injury too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 And and so that's a big concern. I, I think to address that, you know, maybe that means we see Bradley Zimmer earlier than expected. Maybe it means you know Tyler Naquin, which I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Probably not. Uh, in the end, but um, so that's the big concern in that, you know, we might not be accurately estimating, you know, what having three empty spots in the outfield means to them early on. Uh, but, but even so, I, I think they have a decent chance to be a mid eighties 
uh, true talent team. And the other team is is also in the Central, and it's the White Sox. Um, I knew you were going to pick the White Sox. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're at 80 and a half. And I, you know, maybe it's – I thought they were going to be better than they were last year. So this might just be, you know – being stupid a second year in a row, but I, I, I liked the moves that they made over the offseason. I hated that they stopped and didn't go get a, a true right fielder um, or a center fielder. That mean that meant Adam Eaton could move out of center. But, I, you know, they went from having a zero at third base and a zero at second base and a zero at shortstop to only having a zero at shortstop <laughs> out, of those three, out of those three positions. Um, and I do think, you know, Jimmy Rollins is not an ideal starter at this point, but he also wasn't bad two years ago in his last year with the Phillies. And he's even the, even last year's Dodgers version of Jimmy Rollins is a pretty big upgrade over Tyler Saladino. Um, so I, I, I think there's a lot of room for them to be, you know, better than under 500, which is where this project, this uh, over under has them set at. Yeah. Just to jump on Rollins for a second, I just wrote up something at uh, Beyond the Box Score on Bacon, batting average on contact, and uh, and Rollins was the worst in baseball, who uh, was a qualified hitter last year. And still better than Tyler Saladino. I know. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Craig, for uh, for posterity's sake, I'm going to make you pick one of those. Uh, um, okay. I'm going to pick... I'm going to pick the White Sox. All right. You're taking Strong the take. White Sox, and the White Sox are at, what is it, 80 and a half. 80 and a half. All right. Um, all right. So there are better picks available um, <laughs> than the one I'm about to take, but, um, but I'm going to be a homer and pick the Red Sox over. Um, 85 and a half wins seems – Almost perfect for what for what for where they are. Um, I'm not totally sold on the bullpen upgrades. Uh, you know, Kimbrel is is you know uh, fantastic, but you know did have a bit of a down year, which was mostly in the first month. But that still counts. Um, you know, Carson Smith seems to still not have the velocity he had at the beginning of last year, um, so that's a bit scary. And, you know, they're depending on two of the worst players from last year um, to start uh, at the corners um, in the infield. Um, and, you know, of course, David Ortiz is 40 and Pedroia is another year closer to that and, and on and on and on. Um, but I'm optimistic about the, about the starting rotation. Um, I'm optimistic about, um, you know, about the outfield. I think Jackie Bradley is really going to hit. Um, I think Mookie Betts is going to be fantastic. Um, and, uh, and I, I think that, uh, the Red Sox can win 86 games. So I'm going to take, uh, take the Red Sox over. They're one of those teams where I feel like that there's a, like, I would not be surprised at all if they won 95 this year, but I would be very surprised if they won 75, like compared to the up and down. I think that they have kind of a, a good error bar on the high side. Whereas on the low side, like it's hard to imagine to me this team being much worse than 500. Like I definitely think they could be 500 or, or around there, but yeah. it's just it's hard to see them just kind of imploding with the talent they've got. Well, I could present a scenario uh, where they kind of implode. Uh, 
you know, I think if Ortiz gets hurt, I think if the, you know, if the team gets off to a rough start, um, you know. What it, if Pablo Sandoval gains weight? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Grab your curls, everybody. Just then. what if? Um, yeah. You know, I'm just asking questions. Here. <laughs> yeah. You're doing the Lord's work is what you're doing. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah. Anyway, I, I, as I've said before, I could see, I could see, you know, the, the over, uh, but I can also see the under, um, but you know, there's, there's a lot of young talent on this team. And, um, and I think, uh, I think at least for this season, you know, as long as Ortiz remains healthy, that they really will kind of pull out all the stops and, and, and try to win as much as they can, um, in this, in this division. So, um, yeah, over, over on the Red Sox. Does, does anyone, uh, anyone think you should take the under? They they were one I was I was basically just planning on avoiding because I I didn't feel confident enough kind of one way or the other the the AL East is is a damn mess and the only reason I picked the Rays was because I thought they're you know if they put the Rays at eighty two wins instead of seventy eight I probably wouldn't have picked them either um, it's just it's it's too hard for me to to determine you know to me it could be something that whatever happens over the first two months is going to, you know, affect the next four more than it, than it should otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's very true. Um, I I kept looking at the Orioles because I've said on now multiple occasions, I think the Orioles are the worst team in the American league and the Orioles are at like 80 and a half. And I was still like, Nope, can't pull the trigger. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I was actually thinking about the under for the Orioles as well, because Part of that is because since this happened, they did sign Giovanni Gallardo, but they they might not have Chris Tillman this year, which if he was going to pitch like last year would be a positive. But. Right. <laughs> oh. is, is Giovanni Gallardo really that good? No. No, he strikes out less than 40 <laughs> Jamie Moyer. Yeah. <laughs> At altitude. <laughs> but that's the thing that I don't get. Like everyone is sort of treating it like, oh, well, they at least they got an upgrade. I'm not even convinced they got an upgrade. Well, I think they got an upgrade because who was – it was going to be Vance Worley, right, instead of him? And it might be Worley instead of Tillman now. And no, like, Well, it was either it was either Worley or uh, Ojestrama or Despagne um, oh. or – they have a Mike Wright, I think, was the fifth guy. I wrote up Odrasomer's Otis, uh, transaction analysis at uh, Baseball he's Perspectives. Like, he's like a he's like he's kind of like another version of Jamie Moyer. Yeah, he throws like a fifty-eight mile an hour EFIS pitch, which is oh. awesome, but he also is terrible. Oh well, there's that. I guess. He's all arm slots and no no stuff. Like <laughs> no stuff. That's, yeah. That sounds like me. That's that's, that's how I pitch. Yeah. <laughs> Sidearm over the top, EFAS ball, whatever. <laughs> it doesn't matter where I throw. It's going to get hit. Um, all right. So that's uh, that's our over-unders, and uh, I think we can – I actually just did save uh, this document so we can go back and look at it later if anyone actually remembers that we did this um, at the end of the season. Um, so – how how long have we gone so far? I feel like we <laughs> we've spent almost an hour talking about the over unders. Uh, believe it or not. All right, so maybe what the oh, thing did you, no, what, it's uh, that's forty hour, minutes. That's forty minutes. About forty minutes. So, do you guys want to talk about the ALS for fifteen minutes, or should we push it till next week? No, let's let's talk about the West. I, I'm down. Yeah, let's let's do it. I mean, we covered some of it already, so. 
Okay. We can gloss when we need to. All right. Sounds like a plan. So uh, AOS it is. Um, that's uh, a, a division where nobody won uh, 90 games last year. Um, and it kind of ended up, uh, I don't know, it, I almost – Upside. I guess all the whole American League last year was really upside down. Um, was was sort of bizarre um, with the, uh, the the Rangers winning the division. You know, when when nobody, especially after you Darvish went down early in the season or, or at spring training, everyone uh, counted them out immediately. Um, and the Astros were coming off a billion losses, and so of course nobody saw them taking a big step forward. Um, but but both those teams made the playoffs and. I don't think anybody uh, really saw that coming. Um, a lot of people were buying on the Angels, um, and uh, they won one 85 one, games. What? One of us saw it coming. <laughs> it wasn't me. I'm assuming you're talking about you. I, yeah, I dubbed them the Team of Destiny on uh, June 6th. Wow. Wow. Yeah. You, I have very few claims to fame, but that is, that is one. You are amazing, Kreskin. Thank you. On the uh, on the other side of that, before the season started, yes, I did predict the Mariners to go to the World Series. <laughs> well, I don't understand why you did that, Brian, because at least according to Andy Van Slyke, they started the worst second baseman of all time. Yeah, Andy that's Slyke a good point. He, in he tried to give advice to Brad Miller, and that is a no-no. You can't do that. You can't. It, everyone knows you don't give advice to Brad Miller. What What are you doing? <laughs> I mean, he already is just about the best shortstop in the American League, so you can't you can't mess with greatness there. <laughs> well, you don't want to step on the on the on the batting coach's toes either. I mean, how is he supposed to do his job when there's other people giving advice? I mean, it's uh, it's yeah. The whole you you can you can see why the Mariners won only seventy six games pretty clearly. Um, Mariners uh, Nationals World Series didn't go so well. <laughs> I think I picked Red Sox Red Sox. Uh, <laughs> uh, that also sadly did not materialize. Um, in any case, uh, Craig, we'll start with you. Um, given uh, you know some of the things we just discussed, are you are you taking the uh, taking the Astros to win this division? Um, I'm I, th- this. This division is the entire AL is a is a disaster. Um, it is kind of one middling gloop, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. I like that. Um, I I guess I'll take the uh, no no <laughs> I can't I can't do it I can't do it I think the Rangers are I think the Rangers are going to win it again. I really, really? do. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I look. It's not. It's not that this is a great team. Um, I. I don't think any of these are great teams. Um, and like I said, I really. And it's part of the reason I picked the the Rangers last year. And I should probably just you know step away from the table and walk away with my money instead of doubling down here. But um, I. I really like the depth that they have, and I think you know there are going to be inevitable injuries, but that they'll be able to backfill those spots with really talented players. And if the injuries happen at if the injuries happen at positions that those talented players don't exist at, uh, that they can get creative and move some of the the depth that they have to to fill in elsewhere. So um, I'm going to go with Texas. Okay, um, I don't think that's I, I don't at least from where we stand right now. I don't think there's a uh, a wrong answer. Uh, by the way. Um, 
I'll make the argument against that. I do think there's a wrong answer to that question. <laughs> I, I think the Astros are going to win the division. I don't think it's going to be particularly close. So you're 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 buying big on Doug Fister is what you're saying. I mean, how can you not? <laughs> I don't think it matters what Doug Fister does. I think that team's got too much talent and too much depth to not win the division. I, I Of course, things can always go wrong. I mean, if Carlos Correa goes missing. Then that's going to be really bad. He's 21 years old. I just want to point that out. He's 21. And like, I'm not even talking about him being like a six-win player next year. I mean, just as a that's just the one position where I don't feel like they've got a lot of depth. I I I don't expect him to be a six-win guy next year. I expect him to be come a little bit down to earth compared to last year. Um, But I mean, he's great, and they've got a lot of great players. And at some point, they may have... I mean, they've got some guys on the come-up, too. Not the same level as the Rangers. I mean, they don't have a Mazzara or a, or a Gallo or something like that. But they've got, they've got a couple of good options at first base. I do think that if Reed comes up, things could be okay there. I definitely think Gomez is going to come back a little bit. And I just have a lot of trouble seeing any of these other teams having the same level of depth that the, um, that the Astros do. They have good players in all, a lot of different positions. I agree with uh, everything you said, uh, Brian. I'm not going to make any more specific statements other than that. <laughs> Cold takes. Cold takes by Matt Corey. Okay. Um, yeah, no, I think I would take, uh, I would take the Rangers uh, as uh, – not the Rangers, sorry. The, the Astros uh, in that division also um, but for, for a lot of the reasons you just said, I, you know, I think they have a solid bullpen. Um, I think they've got a lot of young guys and, and you can, you know, you can see them taking steps forward. I, I really like their rotation. Um, I like it better than any other rotation in that division. Um, let me, uh, let me ask you specifically though, guys, I, it seems like, you know, if you're picking winners in this division, you're likely picking between the Rangers and the Astros. I mean, we were talked about how this is all one big, ugh, but, um, and then, you know, w- when you're, you're looking at the back of of the uh, of the division. It seems like the other three teams are sort of floating there in in, in some uh, some order. Um, is is there any chance that uh, you know that that uh, that one of these teams just completely falls off the table and, and wins? Like, I mean, I know the A's won sixty eight games last year, but. You know, is is that going to happen again? Is some team just going to even finish with sixty five wins or something like that, or is this all going to be a you know everyone's going to finish between seventy five and eighty five wins? I mean, I I kind of think that the A's are neck and neck with the Orioles as the worst team in the American League. I think they're they're considerably worse than the Mariners or the Angels on a true talent level right now. Uh, maybe that's going to change. Maybe some of their young players are going to emerge or some of their not so young players. I mean, that's kind of what happens with the A's every so often is, you know, you get a Steven Vaught and it's like, OK, you know, this this doesn't make any sense, but this is happening. Uh, I like some of their moves, but their rotation looks really bad to me, like not not good at all. And unlike the the Angels. Uh, the the position players don't fill me with you know just loads and loads of confidence. They could have one of the worst defenses in baseball um, with running Marcus Semyon and uh, maybe Jed Lowry up the middle, which yeah. is which is really bad. Um, you know, it's it's a kind of amazing um, how crippling the Josh Donaldson trade really was. Uh, they. I- 
Go ahead. The, I was just going to say that I, I agree that the A's are, are potentially the team that could um, kind of fall off the table in that sense because, I mean, we've never really see, seen a team play seven outfielders at the same time. And that appears to be what the A's are, are planning to do given all their, their recent trade activity. So um, I, I'm interested to see how that works out, uh, although it's, it's hard to say anything that like you know that won't make you look dumb after Billy Bean's through with you. It's true. That's sort of the the wild card in all of this is, you know, like Brian was just sort of alluding to that. You know, you can look at the roster, and then if you look at it again in three months, there will all of a sudden, you know, it will look completely different, even though maybe the names are are similar. Um, I think I can officially say I'm off the Billy Bean transaction bandwagon. Um, I, I was listening to some of the comments about like how they're never going to trade Josh Reddick, but they'll <laughs> go ahead and um, you know make some of these really kind of bizarre moves. And I, I think you know for a good portion of my youth, I was pretty sure that every move he made was genius. And I think after the Donaldson trade and and now hearing some of the things that are coming out now, it's kind of like nope, nope. I think I think we might have lost him. I think he's just as fallible as anybody else at this point. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I mean, there's the Donaldson trade in and of itself, which I, 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 don't, I never understood. I, I don't think, I think that anybody was. did. That's the weird thing. It was that well, people, and Bill Butler move, and it, they were both pretty inexplicable. Yeah, yeah, and I agree. And they, don't, they didn't make sense together either. Um, except, well, yeah, right, because you could say, like, oh, Donaldson's about getting cheaper and depth, but then why are you spending $10 million a year on Billy Butler? But, but then you take Laurie, who, I mean, by no means was he good, really, but you take him and then trade him for, like, a fourth-round pick and someone, no one, J.B. Wendelkin? Like, that's not... I, 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 I didn't understand that at all. Like, if you liked Laurie enough to... He was essentially the, the big major league piece that they got back. Yep. And then a year later, I mean, look, I, if you think it's a sunk cost, then don't stand by it. And I, and I admire that. But you, there's got to be something better than you could get back than J.B. Wendelkin. And, and I, I'm blanking on the other guy's name, even though I think he's probably the more valuable property as a, as a recent fourth-round pick. But it, like, I, I, I just don't understand what they're doing. It's something that, I mean, I, I tweeted this last year, and it, it might just be my, my best tweet, but God knows it's not going to stop me from trying. Um, <laughs> but I said, you know, like, Billy Bean does, like, 19 different things that make the, te- make the A's slightly worse and also slightly cheaper. And everyone's like, hmm, yeah, I can see, I see what he's trying <laughs> to do there. And, and then, like, the Nationals signed Max Scherzer last year, and everyone was like, what?! <laughs> what are you doing? Why would they give money to Matt Scherzer? It's like, oh, he's freaking incredible. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> this, isn't, this isn't as hard as it seems. <laughs> it's it's really funny because if you backtrack a couple of years and you think like, well, what if instead of going after Lester and Samarja and you know making some of the moves that he's made in the past couple of years, he had just like stuck with what he had? And that's a very Giants thing to do, or, you know, some of those teams who, you know, midseason don't tend to make the same moves or, you know, make as many trades. And, you know, he'd be rolling with Donaldson and Russell on the left side of the infield. And, you know, this year would be looking maybe quite a lot better than it is now. So if he was trying to, 
it's almost like he's uh, the guy in your fantasy league who makes a bunch of trades and transactions, it seems like, for the sake of doing it, yeah. rather than... I know he's got to play with the payroll and things like that, but I mean, just it's one of those things where it's like, man, if he just would have kept to himself and just not done much of anything, the team would be in such a better shape right now. It's almost well, the, the Donald Trump school of uh, financial improvement. <laughs> but but that but that's also the other thing, right? Is that it's it's not only that it's like okay, sure, he he made a trade and that's fine, but like in terms of Donaldson. But could he have gotten something a little more sure than look? I, and Franklin Barreto is now a great prospect, but let's but let's not pretend there wasn't a lot of risk involved in Barreto at the time, right? Like he, yeah, was, he, he was a he low was. low minors guy. I mean, he still he still has not played extensively at the upper levels. And um, I mean, you know, you you just probably could have gotten something that was more of a sure thing with comparable upside if you're only targeting prospects. And on top of that, uh, you know, if you keep I, again, understanding that money is a big thing for, for Oakland, if you keep Donaldson for half a year in Oakland and trade him at the deadline, kind of like the, the Phillies did with Hamels, you know, maybe you get someone who's desperate for that middle-of-the-order bat and, and is willing to pay through the nose for it, you know? Yeah, it's I, just one of those things where they, I felt like the opportunity cost was so big. I have less of a problem with the timing of it um, than I do with the fact that he seemingly heard an offer that he liked and just made the deal. Um, I mean, I know the Red Sox, uh, you know, were, were looking for a third baseman the same season, same off season, and they called uh, the A's and, and we're told Donaldson was was off the table. They were not discussing um, Donaldson at all. So, you know, the Red Sox went out and signed Pablo Sandoval. Um, you know the Red Sox had and and continue to have you know, <laughs> a bunch of really good prospects that uh, had Donaldson been on the table that you would think maybe there there was a you know a, a way to work something out. I mean I'm not saying you know just because that Donaldson was available that that would have a trade would have happened or something like that. But it, it's not even about the Red Sox so much as it's about uh, you know not. I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like if, if you're willing to trade a guy, maybe you should make it known so other teams are willing to give you, you know, especially if he's a really good, cheap player, um, you know, there's, there's bound to be a lot of interest. I mean, part of the thing that I would think would, would be helpful is that, you know, you, you have, uh, you know, people offer different deals and, and that drives up the price. There's only one Josh Donaldson and, and at that price, you know, that's certainly, uh, or, or at, at, you know, his salary, I mean, uh, he's, he's certainly a desirable player. So, but it doesn't seem like they took advantage of that situation at all. This is yeah. the thing that makes me crazier than almost anything else in baseball is this idea that, um, you know, the the general manager isn't asking around on guys, and it only makes me crazy because we'll never know. But well, there have I've, been so I've, many of these deals that seem like that. Well, I was going to say I I heard that that was the case um, with Hayward being traded to St. Louis as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because there wasn't a huge, I think when Hayward was traded, there wasn't a huge amount of talk about Atlanta necessarily tearing it down. They, maybe that they were thinking about it, but there wasn't like the auction, like an auction that was held essentially for Hayward. It was just like, it was at the, um, it was at the owners meetings, right? Or the, the GM's meetings prior to the winter meetings that the deal went down. And I think, you know, I think the Cardinals approached the Braves with a trade and the Braves were like, yeah, we like it. We'll do it. Yeah, it, no, it's it's weird. 
it's weird how those things happen. Like with the Diamondbacks, I mean, that's always been something you've heard about them. It's like they they didn't really seem to be they were shopping a guy or they they didn't seem to make some communications like the the Shelby Miller deal. Like it seems like the Diamondbacks are like, well, let's call the Braves and see what they have to offer. Like I, I can't help but thinking that there are other teams that would have been like, well, if you're willing to give up players like Swanson and Blair and Inciarte, maybe we will trade with you too. And they could have gotten somebody better than Shelby Miller. Now, maybe they really love Shelby Miller and that's fine. But I mean, I would even have to think like the Mets would look long and hard about that and be like, mm, maybe Matt Harvey. Like, yeah, you'd have to cons- think there would be. Yeah, there's there's other options available. It, it does seem like a like a missed opportunity. I I've got to run in a few minutes and and uh, pick my kids up from school. So I I want to quickly hit on the Angels. A um, couple minutes on the Angels here. Um, a classic who- joiner over here. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Well, <laughs> uh, anyway, um, the Angels who have managed to both uh, spend a ton of money have possibly, not possibly, have the best player in baseball on their team and still uh, be kind of shitty. Um, I, I was going to say, I thought, that, I thought they might have a better chance of, of crapping out than, uh, than Oakland, even. Really? Yeah. I mean, what, where, where uh, okay, so they have Trout, who's great. I think, you know, Pujols is fine, um, but they're, they're not, I mean, like, what are they working with everywhere else and assuming you know Simmons is very good defensively but he could be a black hole on offense um you know Escobar is fine I guess but again if you it, this is a team that has no depth whatsoever well yeah I mean if something were to happen to Andrelton Simmons Mike Trout Cole Calhoun any of those players any of their pitchers you're absolutely right like bad things will happen to that team I mean, their pitching is not even really good. I'm probably higher on the Angels pitching than most people, and I agree that it's not good. I like Heaney and Skaggs, if Skaggs is eventually going to come back or something like that. Um, And I I think that Santiago and Shoemaker are reasonable enough end of the the rotation options. It's just the the guys who are supposed to be the the stalwarts who terrify me, absolutely terrify me. but I, I mean, I don't think you're wrong in that they could fall apart. I just think that the good players that they have kind of offset how much risk they have. Um, because, you know, when you're building your team around Trout and Simmons and Cole Calhoun, who doesn't get a lot of burn, Garrett Richards. Yeah, if one of those guys, if something happens to one of those guys, they're in serious trouble. But they've got a lot of good players, too. They, they to me, almost uh, look like the Diamondbacks on the National League side, except a slightly worse version of that, where it's like starts and scrubs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. No, go that please. Uh I was going to say does uh, are either of you concerned about um Simmons uh in the sense that they traded for, you know, uh, uh the best defensive shortstop in baseball, but he is 26. He's been in the league for what? 4 years now. Um 3 4 years. Uh and his hitting has never really improved. I guess his on-base percentage went up a little bit last year. He, he walked a little bit more. Um, but he, he's just not a very good hitter. And defense uh, doesn't – I mean, I, you wouldn't expect him to be this level of defensive player per, in, you know, in, in perpetuity into his mid-30s. Um, you know, the, the defense 
drops off relatively quickly. And and you would think, uh, especially at a, at a premium position like shortstop, that he's he's not going to be the great defensive player we saw in Atlanta. Um, you know, going forward, um, does that does that concern uh, either of you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> great I, answer, Craig. No, yeah. Well, I. I, I think you I think you spelled it out. I mean, I, I think, you know, we get defense kind of drops off or or I guess traditionally drops off uh quicker than offense. And this is this is a guy who is he his value is is purely defense. I, I don't know that I, I didn't love that trade for for Anaheim. Um I I I think he's fine, but I, I don't think he's He's a joy to watch, but as part of a um, building a roster, I'm not sure I, I would want to rely on someone with that as a full package. You know. Well, and for me, I, I kind of feel the same way, but I feel like I can kick that can down the road a couple of years. I'm not concerned about his defense going going to to the toilet this year. Maybe not next year, but. Long term, absolutely. I, I, I think that's a very fair statement. I just don't see him, you know, the way he looked last year. Maybe it's just the optimist in me. I don't think he's going to crash yet, but he might no, pretty I, soon. That's, I, I think you're right, Brian. I'm sorry to cut you off. I, I, no. But he, he's on a seven year deal through 2020, which is why why I bring it up. I mean, it's not that not necessarily a 2016 concern. I, I think I think you're right about that. He's not a good hitter, though. No, no. I, I don't think that's that's a thing. He's just so good defensively. Like it almost doesn't matter to me. He's like Elvis Andrews that way. It's yeah. just that like Elvis Andrews that way. Like in a couple of years, we we could be looking at a a pretty average guy instead of a, a someone you want to build around. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Agree. And I think the concern for me is that we're not necessarily going to be we're not necessarily going to have a warning of when it's going to drop off. Oh no, no, that's a really good point. It'll happen pretty suddenly. You're right. So um, we've got to end it here, and we haven't talked about the Mariners. So maybe uh, maybe we'll have to come up with a Mariner centric topic uh, next next week. Um, but uh, yeah, guys, unless there's anything pressing, anything else that you want to uh, want to say about the division? No, we good. No, I'm good. <laughs> All right, my kid's teacher thanks you both. Um, so this has been, uh, another episode of the four man rotation. I don't even know what episode number, what six, something like that. Seven, seven, seven. Um, so, uh, for Craig and Brian, uh, this is Matt. Thanks for listening. Uh, tell a friend if you like the podcast, uh, tell no one if you don't, and, uh, we'll talk to you next week. And as it started to fade out, and as we're headed underground, well, there's a plan.